All right. Did you know that Radio Free Brooklyn has a free iPhone and Android app? No. That's right. You no longer need to be chained to your computer to listen. Just download the Radio Free Brooklyn app from the App Store or Google Play so you can listen to independent community radio wherever you go. No. You can find the iPhone app by going to RadioFreeBrooklyn.org. So 9-11, the 20-year anniversary, was on Saturday, and there were plenty of memorials all over the country. In Shanksville, Pennsylvania, right here in New York City, there were plenty. In Washington, D.C., and many former presidents and the current president participated. Do you know where Donald Trump was? I'm going to tell you because this is so fitting. On September 11th, 2021... Donald Trump, Donald Trump was commentating on a a boxing match, maybe a wrestling match. Donald Trump was commentating on some kind of fight with his dumbass son, Don Jr., and making people pay to listen. Oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. That's what Trump was doing on September 11th, the 20th anniversary. And frankly, that's fine. Because no one's required to care, no one's required to be respectful or thoughtful or whatever. And quite frankly, it's pretty fitting. That's exactly what I would expect Donald Trump to be doing. Charging people for something stupid. Let's, you know, there is so much talk about Donald Trump running again in 2024. And you know what? If there's one thing I've learned, it's that I don't know jack shit So I'm not going to make any predictions, but here's what I'll say. First of all, not worth worrying about, really, number one. Number two, I don't think he's going to run again. Here's the thing, folks. Donald Trump's life got significantly worse when he won in 2016 significantly worse. He again, I've said this a lot of plenty of times, I'll say it again right here right now. Donald Trump in 2014, let's say, he declared his candidacy in 2015 and it all went downhill from there. But in 2014 for years and years, I mean dating back to like the 70s, he was this flamboyant, bombastic pompous New York City character who people knew from television and the tabloids and they knew that he was into real estate. And frankly, you know, era by era, it changed. In the 80s, he was famous for being married to Ivana and having these real estate deals and they were a power couple. In the 90s, he became more known for being divorced, for divorcing Ivana, for marrying Marla Maples, for trying to buy an NFL team and failing, then turning to the USFL, buying a team in that league and destroying it, just kind of doing crazy things, opening that casino, the Trump Taj Mahal, just kind of being a larger-than-life clown. And then 2000 came, and not long after that, he got that show on NBC, and frankly, in a lot of ways, rehabilitated his image and became known by 2014 as a... Well, still flamboyant, larger than life, New York City character who had a lot of money and was kind of pompous and blah, 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 blah. Say what you will, but he had a pretty cushy life. He was really rich in 2014. He was really famous. He was really, frankly, people did seek his endorsement and his endorsement did mean something. 
If not, listen, personal morals and beliefs and stances and political parties, all that stuff, take all that aside. His his endorsement meant something because it was a moneymaker. That's it. That's all I care. I mean, that's all I'm talking about. He had a large following. People loved his show. They loved his persona. You're fired. So it meant something in that regard. And everybody takes me very seriously. Cut to today. He's the most reviled. He is reviled worldwide. He has done probably irreparable harm to the country in terms of dividing its citizenry to the point where some of us were really willing to storm the Capitol. And they're now having to pay the price for that. His life got significantly worse. You know, he had his cushy life where he was famous and rich and, you know, didn't have to do much. Just was on TV. People told him what to say. He got paid and then he could do whatever he wanted. Now he is under investigation constantly. He knows that he is just trying to run out the clock, whatever it is, his life, who knows. But he's hidden his tax returns. He's hidden everything. Whenever stuff does come out, he's he's really appalled, but tries to play it off like it's fake news. These are totally corrupt people. He knows that his judgment day is coming. He's not going to be able to avoid accountability forever. He's just not. Because Cy Vance and other state attorneys and district attorneys and attorney generals and all that stuff, they don't give a flying fuck about Cletus and Jethro, who would die for their hero, Donald Trump. They don't care. They don't care. And there is, like it or not, there is a whole fighting force whose job it is to protect elected officials and federal buildings and stuff like that. Now, it just so happens that on January 6th, you blew it! But if run properly, let the um, Eamon Bundys and Timothy McVeigh's and Terry Nichols and Jethro's and Cletus's and Jebediah's, let them, you know, they can do what they want. They'll lose. They'll lose physically, and they'll certainly lose criminally. You bunch of losers! So, anyway, point. my point I was trying to make is, I don't think he would ever want to be president again. The only reason he's dangling this carrot out for his supporters is because... It is a great money maker. It's the only way he can make money now. All those things I said meant something before. His endorsements mean jack shit now. In fact, they're pretty toxic. So instead, he has turned to these Jethro's and Cletus's and Jebediah's who love the shit out of him and are coughing up the little money they have to him. And that's what he's doing. Getting people to pay to hear him talk about wrestling and fighting because he's an expert in that. And he's going to put out these feelers and make it look like he could run, he might run, maybe I'll run, so that they will continue to cough up their money, they will continue to put pledges into his fucking packs. And then, at the last second, he'll say, you know what, no, it's all right, I'm going to give my blessing to whoever the fuck, I don't give a shit. And he'll pocket all that cash and probably die a couple years later. (laughs) So... I don't think he's going to run. I think he's using this whole charade to make money. And um, it's working. Frankly, it's working. Anywho, folks. This is the next best thing. 
don't go. All right. Let's talk just a little bit about what's going on in the news. What's going on in the sick, sad world? You're listening to The Next Best Thing. Here's what's making news tonight. So, John Mulaney, remember John Mulaney? You know, like a murderer. Huh? John Mulaney, very successful comedian, hosts Saturday Night Live fairly often, used to write for Saturday Night Live, now has a lot of stand-up specials, and on and on. He recently made his big return to public life, I guess you could say. He was on Seth Meyers' show late night last week, to announce kind of what all's been going on in his life and what, you know, how he fell off the wagon and he went to rehab. You know, he was very honest, very open about what's been going on, said that his friends had to stage an intervention. He had to go away for two months. He got divorced, confirmed that he is now dating Olivia Munn, the actress. Look, I love John Mulaney. I'm happy to see him doing so well, fresh out of rehab and relapse, but Here's the thing. On this appearance on Late Night with Seth Meyers, he also revealed that he was uh, he had gotten divorced. He was now dating Olivia Munn and they're having a baby together. Now, that's fine. I mean, I'm happy for him. I'm happy for both of them. But am I the only stone cold bitch out there who feels really sorry for his barely even ex-wife? I mean, sweet mother of God, all I've been seeing are these glowing you know, messages of hope and love and praise for John Mulaney, which is fine. Love him. But this poor girl, her name is Anna Marie Tendler. She she was married to the guy, John Mulaney, for over six years. And I have to tell you, I listen to podcasts. I like, I'm a comedy fan. I'm in the comedy scene. I've heard John Mulaney on multiple occasions and on multiple podcasts talk openly about how he and his wife at the time, you know, we weren't really sure if we want kids. You know, we probably don't want kids. People say we should have kids, but we're not going to have kids. And now, an entire 83 days after it's revealed that he's dating Olivia Munn, he's going to be a father and he couldn't be happier or more excited. That doesn't seem weird to anyone but me. Look, Again, it's this has less to do with John Mulaney and more to do with his poor ex-wife. <laughs> they were married for six years. I suddenly don't... I mean, immediately after it was announced that Mulaney and his wife were separating and probably divorcing, she released his ex-wife, Anna Marie Tindler. She released her one and only statement saying, quote, I am heartbroken that John has decided to end our marriage. I wish him nothing but the best on his road to recovery or something like that. Translation, I had nothing to do with this. I didn't see it coming. Don't want it to happen. My soul is crushed. I couldn't possibly feel more broken or alone. (laughs) And here he is, and suddenly he's having a baby. I don't know. I just, I thought it was weird, and I feel so sad for her. Moving right along. All right. Also in the news. Okay, so this I just came across today, and I wanted to share it with you. So I'm not a big tweeter. I'm not a big Twitter user, to be honest with you. But um, today I was scrolling through the twatter, the tweeter, twatter, whatever, 
and I saw a tweet from this kid who's me. He was a student at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, when that shooting happened, and he has since been very much visible uh, as a gun control advocate and whatnot. But he also has really milked it. Big deal. He should. His name is Cameron Caskey, and today he posted something on his Twitter kind of coming out of the closet. I don't really know what this is, to be honest, but it doesn't matter because that's not even the point. So he posted this really long statement. I'll read you some of it. Hi, got a second? How about a minute? All right, great. I'm queer. I don't exactly know what type of queer I am, and I am finally okay with that. Bye? Maybe? I don't know, man. The journey towards self-acceptance is one I have been on for years now, but the most difficult aspect has been searching for meaning in sexual identity when there truly is none. Okay, all that's fine. All that's fine. Then he goes on, he talks about, you know, there's no meaning for me. I've wanted to be straight for so long. A straight guy who's, okay, he wants to be, yeah. So this is all fine. This is all pretty normal. Okay. So then it continues. This is a very, very long coming out statement. But it goes on to say this, quote, And I am lucky enough to have the security of being a white cisgender man, which comes with privilege that can never be ignored or forgotten. Queer people who are not white cisgender men are subject to infinitely more doubt, anguish, and discrimination than I will ever face. Okay, so suddenly this coming out statement now has suddenly become... I'm less, you know, marginalized than these other people. Okay. Then it continues. My ability to proudly share who I am today only, first of all, proudly share who I am today. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. You came out as question mark. (laughs) Are you bi? Are you gay? Are you uh, asexual? Whatever. But it goes on and says, my ability to proudly share who I am today only exists due to queer activists, specifically queer activists of color. And for that reason, it is important for people like me to remember that we are not leaders in this community. What? My role is to follow our leaders and do my best to uplift those who are far less along on their journey than I am. I am lucky to be queer, whatever the fuck that means. (laughs) Lucky? I mean, you're not lucky, you're not unlucky, you just are what you are. I am lucky to be queer, and I'm lucky to have so many role models who illuminate and inspire me. That's fine. But I am a white man. What? And white men contribute to so much toxicity to other people's queer experiences. What the fuck? What the fuck is this about? What the fuck is this about? This is an insane... I I don't know what even to call this. Like, I'm happy for the kid to have come out. But first of all, this coming out statement is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven paragraphs. It could could have just been one. Could have just been like three sentences. Hi, got a second? How about a minute? All right, great. I'm queer. That's it. Could have just been that. Could have just been that. We don't need the explanation and we certainly don't need this weird groveling of 
look, I guess I'm coming out as queer. What again? I don't even know what queer means. I know what lesbians are. I know what gay means. I know what bisexual means. I know what transgender means. I know what uh, pansexual means. I know what all that stuff means. But queer is just this blanket statement, which is which is fine. Again, I don't even care about that. That's not what this is about. This is about the weird way that this quote unquote statement, it's not, I mean, this kid's, he's a college student. He's done, when I say he milks the notoriety he's gained from being part of that Parkland shooting. Listen, I want to make it known before I say anything about this, that I support those kids 1000%. I thought the way they handled themselves in, in the early days after that shooting was inspiring and unbelievably mature and important. I think what they did was important. I I went to the march for our lives. I'm behind them 1,000%. That said, he in particular has really kind of used, you know, he has, he has enjoyed being famous-ish, barely famous. And that's kind of what I'm saying here. He's like a 19-year-old kid. He really didn't need to come out with a statement on his sexuality. Who cares? Number one. But number two, this isn't, it's like he came out that he might be by, I don't know, who cares? It seems like really the point of this is just to show how virtuous he is, I guess. This is insane. And by the way, and you know what's even more insane? Like, okay. Let me be very clear. I think that the statement, my ability to proudly share who I am today only exists due to queer activists. That's true. But then, comma, specifically queer activists of color. Okay, sure. Maybe maybe that's specific to him. Maybe his personal role models, the people he finds most inspiring are people of color. That's fine. The idea, when you say stuff like, it is important for people like me to remember that we are not leaders in this community. My role is to follow our leaders and do my best to uplift them. You're wrong. You sound stupid. You can be a leader in the gay community. The idea that we the idea that we tell any group White, black, Hispanic, Asian, uh, female, male, male to female, non-gender, non-binary. The idea that any group would need to think to themselves, I can't be a leader. I can't take action. I can't contribute. I make a difference and perhaps steer the way is so fucked is the whole world gone crazy is so fucked i mean you know what kid guns the people you know a lot a lot more people of color are killed by guns every year than white people does that mean that you guys leading the march for our lives was inappropriate and wrong and bad and we should have sat around waiting for students of color first of all there were students of color who were leading with you and it was inspiring and beautiful. I don't think you guys stopped to think, should we stop this movement and let other people do it who are more of a minority than we are? What the fuck are you talking about? That is insanity. That is like, 
that's the problem. Don't think like that. Don't think like that at all. Don't worry about your color or his color or her color because it doesn't matter. We're all part of the community. We should all lead the way. And when I think of real pioneers and leaders in the gay liberation movement and just who really have paved the way in so many different ways for gay people dating way, way back, I think of a wide variety of people. Some are, in fact, people of color, but some aren't. And am I supposed to feel bad about that? Like, what are we talking about? And this is a, the fact that like people have been reading this and no one, at least from what I have found, no one has even thought to say like, well, wait a minute. Like, it's okay to be a leader. When I think of people who have really been important in the gay history, yes, I think of people like James Baldwin, who, yeah, he's a person of color. No question about it. He was very important in the gay movement. I think of people like Bayard Rustin, who worked closely with Martin Luther King before turning to LGBT activism. He helped organize the March on Washington, but he was also openly gay. So he often spoke about the importance of fighting for gay rights. He shifted his focus from civil rights to gay rights in the 80s. He was, he was monumentally important. But you know who else is? Billie Jean King. You know who that is? Billie Jean King was outed as a lesbian in 1981 and became the first openly gay athlete. She's one of the most famous names in professional tennis. She earned 39 Grand Slam titles in the 60s and 70s. And again, in 1981, she was outed against her will as a lesbian, and her publicists told her to deny the claim. Instead, she confirmed it. She said it was true and became the first openly gay athlete. I certainly think of people like Harvey Milk. Hello? Harvey Milk was one of the first openly gay politicians to ever be elected, period. He served on San Francisco's Board of Supervisors and was murdered in City Hall, along with the mayor at the time. How about Larry Kramer, the writer? He was on the front lines of the AIDS crisis trying to bring attention to the disease gay men were facing around the country. He created the Gay Men's Health Crisis Organization. He created ACT UP, the AIDS Coalition to Unleash Power, which was an organization that held high-profile demonstrations. In the 80s, he wrote the play The Normal Heart, which chronicled his experience in AIDS activism. And in 2011, the play finally went up on Broadway, and then was turned into a movie. I mean, there's nothing wrong with recognizing their contributions. How about Anderson Cooper? I think the fact that he's openly gay and his visibility, I think that's important. Same with Don Lemon. I don't think Don Lemon's any more important than Anderson Cooper, and I don't think Anderson Cooper is any more important than Don Lemon, because that's not the point. The point is visibility, period. <sighs> Yikes. I don't know. I just think this is a very fucked up way to think. And I hate it. I just hate it. And um, Bill Maher often talks about it. And just last Friday, he had someone on his show, George Will, who's a conservative writer and columnist. And they kind of talked about it. They talked specifically about this way of thinking, just taking over schools. I feel like the, the play, the, the battleground for the next elections are moving into the schoolroom 
universities, but especially schools, grammar schools, high schools. Um, a professor named Peter Bogosian became just the latest teacher and professor to resign this week. He says about his university, it has transformed a bastion of free inquiry into a social justice factory whose only inputs are race, gender, and victimhood. It is only outputs are grievance and division. I want to read a few other teachers. See, so you know that this is everywhere. This is a teacher in Connecticut. Jennifer Tefudo resigned. I decided to resign from what I thought was my forever career because I felt more like a political activist than a teacher in my own classroom. What's going on in classrooms across our country is pitting students against each other based on the color of their skin. In Virginia, Laura Mara says, I was told in one of my so-called equity trainings that white, Christian, able-bodied females currently have the power in our schools, and that has to change. She then says, a dissenting opinion is not allowed even to be spoken in my personal life. You've written about this recently. I think it's on a lot of people's minds now. What do you think is going to be the repercussions for the next election from this issue? The problem is, of course, that what is happening on campus is they're giving up on the essential ingredient of democracy, which is a cultural persuasion. They've given up on the idea of persuasion, and they're going to mandate harmony on campus because we've raised children to be so risk-averse and to be so convinced that they are awesome. They all got participation trophies for showing up at soccer practice. And they arrive at campus, and they want to be have a safe space to be safe from challenging ideas that might make them sad. Do you know that Brandeis University, the phrase trigger warning now requires a trigger warning? <laughs> because warning suggests there's a danger and trigger where well, you know what that makes people think of. They put, the, the National Archives put a trigger warning now on the uh, Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. They have said that I, our documents might be harmful or difficult see, to review. This is always my thing with the Democrats. If what you're doing sounds like a headline in the onion. <laughs> no, really. Yeah. The National Archives puts trigger warning on the Declaration of Independence. I would say qualifies. I've read many in before. Seattle voted whether or not to decriminalize crime. The, the, I mean, kind of, the kind, Bill, the kind of people who do this came within an eyelash of re-electing Donald Trump with three words, defund the police. And if you think that that's the craziest thing that progressives can come up with, you don't understand Will's law, which is there's no such thing as rock bottom. Okay, so that's not even exactly what I was talking about, but it kind of is because it goes into this a trigger warning on the Declaration of Independence on the Constitution. Are you Fucking out of your mind? Yes! A trigger warning. A safe space. Maybe a translation. It's a crazy ass thing. And it's so devoid of what it claims to be aiming to promote. It claims to be in the name of inclusion and acceptance and unity and inclusivity and diversity and blah, blah, blah. But in order to prove just how accepting and open-minded and colorblind they are, they're trying to cancel and not listen and shut people up who aren't as woke as they are, I guess. I don't even know. 
it's just an insane place to be. People are dumb. <laughs> People are dumb. And can I just say one other thing? You know, Bill Maher's show is a really important rarity nowadays. Can you name me another show that actually regularly has on people of very different political persuasions? George Will, as I said, is a very famous conservative columnist. I'm pretty sure he worked in the Reagan White House. He used to appear on Fox News all the time. Other people who have appeared on the show, you know, Republican congressmen. Can you name me another show today on which Republican and Democrat forces, be them commentators or staffers or actual elected officials, come together and actually have discussions like this? I cannot. I certainly cannot. These are important conversations. And you know what? By finding some common ground and showing people, you don't bend your morals. You don't change what you really believe. But by bringing people like George Will and others to the table and finding some common ground, A, you keep them from going off the deep end and becoming fucking Marjorie Taylor Greene. And you also prevent them from becoming Mitch McConnell who may not be as batshit crazy as Marjorie Taylor Greene, but he is vile enough to just put a stranglehold on the Senate and not allow a Democratic president to get anything done. You build some walls that hopefully prevent shit like that from happening. No one seems to think like that anymore. You know how I know that? Because he's con- Bill Maher is constantly shit on for... Everything and anything and everything, anything and everything. And if you want proof, here's the proof. I don't even know who this person is, but apparently they have a show that airs on MSNBC every weekend. MSNBC, in the times in which we live, with all that's going on, with all that's wrong and vile and scary and terrible in this world, someone named, oh, her name is Tiffany Cross. She has a show on MSNBC every weekend called The Fat Fuck. Just kidding. Called The Cross Connection. She took time on her show to basically explain how disgusting and awful Bill Maher is. Bill Maher. He's the the enemy. He's really who we should be taking time to tear down. Listen to this horse shit. Okay, Bill Maher has been whack for a long time. Okay, immediately. Is that journalism? I don't care who she was talking about. She could be talking about fucking Marjorie Taylor Greene, for Christ's sake. This is MSNBC. This is not Radio Free Brooklyn. I can say that. She's supposed to report on news. From his makeout session with the blackface expert, Megyn Kelly, to his infamous use of the N-word on his show, for which he later apologized. That makes me angry. Because that, first of all, he didn't make out with Megyn Kelly. Second of all, for people who don't actually watch his show, how are they supposed to know that he didn't actually use the N-word on his show like she just made it sound? And his continual, mostly white weekly panels where he sings sob songs to them about the perils of the shrinking demographic and chides anyone who falls even slightly outside of his myopic, privileged view. Maybe he even said something highly offensive again last night. I don't know. I stopped suffering through that stale, clumsy monologue and painfully out of touch show a long time ago. But 
I did see the clip segment of him complaining about Lin-Manuel Miranda apologizing for the lack of Afro-Latino representation in his movie, In the Heights. You're the guy who made the founding fathers black and Hispanic. Let's speak. I thought this clip was going to give some context. Yeah, last summer there was a point when here's what happened. Because I actually do watch the show. Bill Maher commented on the fact that Lin-Manuel Miranda made a movie called In the Heights. It featured all Hispanic people and people of color, pretty much, in the lead roles. However, he was getting complaints because there, there, were, there were African Americans, there were Latinos, or yeah, there were Latin, whatever the fuck, but there were no Afro-Latina, pe- people who were both African American and Latinx. So he had to apologize. You're the guy who made the founding fathers black and Hispanic. I don't think you have to apologize to Twitter. I mean, he's a Latino making a Latino movie with a Latino cast. Not good enough. Nothing is ever good enough for these people. They're like children. Okay, so I don't know if the applause from the audience was sincere or if they were responding to the applause sign in the studio, but either way, how disappointing. But let's just address a few things. One, I thought it was not only gracious, but appropriate for Lin-Manuel Miranda to acknowledge the perhaps unintentional colorism in his amazing film and then apologize for it. Two, anybody find it interesting that this quote-unquote liberal ally is sounding a lot like a moderate Fox News contributor? This is... I hate this woman. I'm sorry. I I hate this. I don't. Okay. Excuse me. I don't know this woman. I don't watch her show. Thank God. And I never, ever will. This is insane. This is insane. This so-called liberal ally, liberal ally. He's not a liberal ally. He's a liberal, you dumbass. And he has been around for a very long time. And he's He's done a lot of good, frankly. He donated a million dollars to Barack Obama's re-election campaign. He, are you, and that, the applause sign, how disappointing. Because they agreed with him? Oh, God, fuck them if they think something different than you. That's the problem. This is why allies get the side eye sometimes. He's not an ally. He's not a fucking ally. He's a liberal. Bill Maher, you do not get to tell people of color what they should or should not be offended by. Stay in your lane, Slim. Maybe That's not what he was doing. He wasn't saying what people should be offended by. He was saying what Lin-Manuel Miranda should feel he has to apologize for. And it's his opinion, and he can do whatever the fuck he wants. That's the beauty of America. Freedom of speech. Toots. Instead of trying to invoke sympathy for Sharon Osbourne or making sure Tommy Loren has a space to spouse her BS, you should have more diverse panels of people who can explain colorism to you and systemic racism. Okay, frankly, he, he does. And his panel's not mostly white, usually. The funny thing is that she just re- referenced Tommy Laren, who has been on the show once. And is as she's an extreme right winger. That's diversity of thought. Have you ever considered that? And how these things still devastate people's lives and livelihoods today. Try that instead of standing on your alabaster perch every week to crap on other people's lived experience while providing a safe haven for well-established white supremacists. Because what? 
she's saying all of this in response to him saying that he didn't think Lin-Manuel Miranda needed to apologize for his film. You don't think that's a little extreme? I'm sorry. We are living in the twilight zone. Because I got to tell you, this old, angry white man act is so plain. I think you're mistaking what's happening now as a revolution, the favoring of a new system. And look, perhaps you disagree with that. But this is yet another of your perspectives that's embarrassingly ignoring what's happening all around you that you're refusing to see. The truth is, what's happening now is an evolution, and you are fighting for your power and privilege to not become fossilized while basking in the... Yeah, this is nonsense. I can't play any more of it. She's acting like... She's acting like Bill Maher went on television and railed against Lin-Manuel Miranda, railed against In the Heights, railed against Hamilton, said that it was awful and stupid and crazy that he made the Founding Fathers black and Latina. He didn't. He loves Hamilton. He's a supporter of Lin-Manuel Miranda. He said he didn't feel like he needed to apologize. And now he's a platform for white supremacists. What are you talking about? You sound like a lunatic. And I like MSNBC. They shouldn't have people talking nonsense like this, frankly. Just my two cents. Just my fucking two cents. If you enjoy this show, please remember to subscribe and rate us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or whatever it's called. We're also available on Spotify, Google Play, TuneIn, basically wherever podcasts are found. If you can find podcasts there, you can find us there. Follow us on Twitter. We're at Next Best Radio. That's at Next Best Radio. And of course, feel free to follow me. I'm at J-O-N-B as in boy, L-E-R-N-E-R. That's J-O-N, no H. B as in boy, L-E-R-N-E-R. That's my handle on Twitter, Instagram, all that fun stuff. (laughs) 